1: Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com
2: Welcome back for another OG show live. Mr. Randall, how you doing?
3: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down
0: Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to, once again, Bass Uh, Guy. Brother. This is the
4: final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatine. Welcome podcast. back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Yeah, welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher.
2: Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. This
3: is Q here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey, guys. Welcome to
2: the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by... What's going oh hello
3: everybody listening to MLF with me since the volume decided to turn back on. Sorry about that. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Down. I'm your host, Jimmy Skinner. With me is Dan the Fishing Man Perry. What's up, brother?
5: What's up, man? What's going on? I, I got my starter of
3: the Halloween direct decorations back behind me. I like it. It's way more effort than we're doing. We don't do Halloween around here. Like we uh I'm Halloween's like my least favorite holiday. Same with my uh my wife so if you if you just did that your house is 100 percent better than mine for the holiday already
5: well we have a halloween party every every year you're welcome to come if you want it's just uh adults and costumes getting drunk
3: oh, i'd be there i'd just be dressed as a podcast co-host
5: yeah you're so like, far away that's that's why you'll never i've never invited you because you're
3: like two hours away yeah you know? i mean it's Honestly, and it's not—I guess just because it's Halloween-related, I just usually dodge them anyway. Like if you were like, yeah. "Hey, the weekend after is a normal party," I'll be there. Like <laughs> you take the Halloween crap out away from it, I'm in. Gotcha. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man, what you been up? To? Did you fish any? Got on uh, water yeah, went out
5: and wrecked them on Nayle Henry getting ready for the KFL this weekend. So we have our Southern Championship this week. It's Kusa King Kingfishers, our team against the. uh, Uh, Virginia Reapers, so the Southern Championship. Whoever wins this meets the winner of the Indianapolis Knights and Massachusetts Maulers, I can't say that word, um, at Chickamauga here at the end of the month. So,
3: yep. Sweet. Yeah, you definitely, I saw the numbers you did. You got on. I think they should be worried about coming down to, and Neely Henry's kind of hard to figure out, too. It is. I I do not. For somebody that's not from here, it's...
5: (laughs) I I did not even lean on them. That was just like, I I was throwing one particular bait that it's like they had never seen it before.
3: So we'll see. You have to tell me what that bait is after the show. Um, so is it to tie into what we're going to get into? Um, and just for, I'll let you talk about it. And you know, everybody knows normally if you've listened to this show, we're doing some tournament recap stuff and having winners on, but we're going to do something a little bit different this show. Um, little more interesting in my opinion but uh what we got uh coming this this show
5: yeah it's we're just going to talk about the fall summer to fall transition uh and and just kind of the baits that you use how you attack it maybe what parts of the lake you're you're going to start at just how you know even if you can go out on the water and you can get down to a third of the places where you've cut out maybe the main lake or or whatever you know you've cut out a portion of the lake and a portion of the baits already maybe this will help you make the decision somewhere to go fish a little bit easier during the transition because it can be one of the most difficult times of the year and depending on where you're at we've got guys from up north kind of in the middle and then the south so i mean we, we got people from all over so it they might be in different parts of that transition too so well, we'll go ahead and bring them on though. First, we have a uh, Dwayne Beatty out of Texas, and we have Rich, Rich right, Texas, right? Arkansas, Arkansas. I'm sorry. Yeah,
4: there you go. close, there you go. close.
5: Didn't, didn't mean to insult you. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Texas, take it easy. Uh, Rick, there he goes. Richard McMichael, Kansas, right? Yeah, correct. There. Kansas and mm-hmm. Eric Palenz up on the Great Lakes, Michigan, or. So, I don't know, somewhere where they eat a lot of cheese, right? <laughs> Michigan, yeah. Michigan, all right. There we go. Well, thank you all for being on. We appreciate it. Appreciate
4: you having yeah, us. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah this so is, uh,
3: this is going to be a really good uh, to get into the fall transition uh talk, just because we all are on different areas. So I've got the Tennessee River. Right. Dan's got Kusa, And as we just said, we've got the other three areas. So it'll be a really fun to – To break it down because not only the baits and stuff like what is the fall transition for certain areas like do they are they actually you know doing the traditional fall pattern like i've got some information to kind of add to about like pickwick how it's different so yeah it'll be fun so
5: how you want to start it dano uh first we'll let everybody introduce yourselves uh eric we'll start with you man
4: yeah you've been on here before right yeah, I've been on here uh, for a couple, a couple tourney recaps in the past. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pickwick, it was I fished a KVF tournament down there, but that was the spring, so it's a little bit different than uh, what it is now, it sounds like. Um, but I'm from Michigan, and for me, when it comes to the fall, I, I do a lot more smallmouth fishing than anything else. Lake Erie, Lake St. Clair, Detroit River, um, so that's more so what I'm going to focus on with you know my info today just my like bucket list places you're just all those oh they they can be really fun and the fall can be really good um but it has its challenges also for sure richie how about you man
6: yep uh from kansas city i live in kansas but i'm like five minutes from the missouri um border so you know i usually do a lot more fishing in missouri a lot better lakes in missouri so um yeah i'm just be talking about some of my favorite fall baits and places that I'm familiar with like Ozarks and table rock and just places like that. I really know really well and about fish in the fall a lot. So, and, and you qualified
5: for the TOC, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Congratulations. And Eric, you were all pro for the KFL and Dwayne you've won an angler of the year this year and former national championship.
7: You won won one. I I won one. I was, I was a reigning champ last year. I, I got fair, beat yeah, out this fair. time. Oh, I'm sorry.
5: Well, Dwayne, tell it by who you are, man, if they don't know.
7: Yeah, um, Dwayne, baby, I'm from Arkansas. I fish a lot of the same stuff that Richie does. I'm just a little farther south. And like him, I'm about five minutes from Oklahoma, so I got a lot of, a lot of time over there, and that's where I grew up as well. And I haven't fished a whole lot of big tournaments this year since COVID. I haven't in that, but that's going to be coming back up next year. We're going to get back after it.
5: I believe in, you're you're working for Catch now, right?
7: Yeah, I'm the marketing director for Catch. Well, congratulations, man. Thanks. That's really awesome. I'm excited about that.
5: For sure. So, I I guess since we're talking, I'm talking to you, go ahead and tell everybody like uh, maybe this time of the year uh, just kind of say what where the fish are at right now and how you're
7: going to start to attack the lake, I guess, if you don't mind. Okay, we have a really odd fall. I don't know how common it is, but our fall, we don't really get a the fall that you read about in the books where it's so good and everything. It is super tough right now. As soon as the thermocline breaks up, you've got fish from 60 feet all the way to 6 inches, and they're just spread out, and this really fits my... The way I fish, I love to cover water and throw moving baits. And that seems to be the deal this time of year a lot. And so it's just a, but it's just super tough here in the Ozarks when all this is going on.
5: Is there a certain part of the lake right now? Are you starting at the back and working out or are you working out and starting your
7: and working back? If I had to pick a part I'd say the river right now you know the rivers would be my my go-to for you know cause you get a little moving water and things like that that keeps a little keeps a little better than the the main lake can be but as long as I cover water I really i'll I'll fish any part of the lake but if I had to pick one I'd say the
4: river right now
5: okay
4: uh Eric how about you man um so. For me, the the fish right now are starting to kind of move back in a little bit shallower. Um, sometimes in the fall, you hear about people catching them in like six inches of water, or super shallow. And uh, for me, I, on the big water, I I don't really ever find them that shallow. But they start moving back into, you know, kind of like the more mid range, maybe you know, ten to fifteen foot as opposed to the the deeper water, the really deep water. Um, for me, the biggest thing if I'm fishing in the falls, I'm just looking for bait. Um, if bait's not present in the area, I don't tend to do all that well. It seems like the bait really starts to group up. And then if you can find the bait, generally there's going to be fish around it. So that, that's always number one for me. Um, in, in around here, whether it be Lake Erie or Lake St. Clair, or I, I do like to fish the rivers a lot, but it seems like the bait this time of year really kind of starts to push towards that current a lot. So current, current seems to be key. Um, if you're fishing just like the, the main lake of it stuff, uh, the two other things that I would look for is rock piles, hard bottom, um, or just the very greenest grass. Like a lot of the grass around here is kind of dying off. There's not much of it left. But if you find that real good green grass, there's bound to be some perch around or some other good bait fish that is going to be hiding in there. And if, if you find good piles of perch and whatnot, you'll find those too. And, and when I'm fishing, if I'm getting bit by perch, if I'm throwing a drop shot or a swim bait or whatever I am, and I'm getting those perch bites, I'm going to stick around for a while because it's it's a matter of time before you kind of run into the smallies. You might have to dial in a specific area where they're waiting to ambush them. But those are kind of the starting points that I'm going to look for on the big water for sure.
5: That, I think that green grass is a big tip for sure because kind of like in the spring, you're looking for the first green grass. You mm-hmm. find that, and in the fall, same thing, but you know, the last it, green grass, I guess.
4: And, and it translates over like we ice fish up here too. So it translates over that too. Like on first ice, you know, whether it be bluegill on these inland lakes or whatever, if you can find grass that's still green underneath the ice, there's bound to be a whole lot of fish around there. So then, you know, I I'm thinking about this in the winter and then it translates back over. Okay. Well, late in the fall, if I can find that grass, there's gotta be fish around also. So it's, you know, even when you're ice fishing, you're kind of thinking forward to how that's going to impact your bass fishing the next year, too.
5: <laughs> Eric's already out there scouting for ice fishing. I, I like it. <laughs> well, we we really need to do an ice fishing episode this this winter. That's something I don't. Well, Jimmy, you did it last year, right?
3: Yeah. It was uh. freaking awesome. We didn't go for any, like, like, big species or anything. We just went up there to catch, you know, buttloads of bluegill. But I enjoyed the hell out of it. We had like 18 inches of ice and I mean, I just got sick of catching fish and that's like, that's weird. Like, <laughs> and it, they weren't even like little dink bluegills. I mean, these are like palm sized or bigger gills. Like it was good fish.
4: Just one made, little magic tree. It makes for a really good meal. And then the, on, on the flip side of this, I know it's kind of going down a weird tangent here, but I used um, a graph that I had. I bought an adapter to use this for ice fishing I learned so much about just my regular sonar chasing pods of bluegill around in thirty foot of water and going and chasing them and seeing what they look like and the difference of return on the schools of fish and whether that meant that they were coming in or they were moving. So it, it's it's kind of a cool deal. We don't get to fish year round like you guys get to do in the south, but. You can still just go ice fishing and have fun, catch a bunch of hand-sized bluegill like he's saying, have a heck of a meal, but also, you know, get dialed in for bass fishing when you're back on the water, you know, when it's not frozen.
3: I, I would I would definitely say it's true. Uh, we were using a Vexlar, so if it mm-hmm. came down to it and they were to put the ban on the fancy electronics, I could throw a Vexlar on the kayak and I think I <laughs> I think I'd be okay cuz I
6: understand what all the blinky lights mean now. So <laughs> Uh R- Richie, how about you, man? Yeah, well, like Dwayne was saying, man, it's, it, the, it's just started, I think, the fall here. It was 100 degrees two weeks ago th- wow. through the day and 80 degrees overnight. Now it's getting highs 80s, lows of 45 overnight. So the, the fish are really, I think they're still on their summer pattern here, but, I, but they're starting to scatter. Um, the temperatures have dropped from the mid 80s to like, I've been doing research on Palm de Terre Lake where I'm fishing a tournament this weekend. And the water temperature's already down to 71 degrees. So it's dropped like 15 degrees over the last two weeks. So it makes it tough. And it makes those fish scatter out. Um, so, but whenever I'm, like, if I'm pre-fishing for a tournament, I'm going to most always um, check the back of creek, especially in the fall. Um, I'm going to try to find an area with four or five different creeks in it that I could run to um, and get to each other pretty quickly just to, just I don't even have to fish just looking for the bait fish looking for the area with the most moving water if there is any moving water um and you can you can find the bait if the bait fish are there in the backs of the creek you can find them pretty quickly and if they're not in the backs you can go I usually check secondary points main lake points but right now with this tournament this weekend I'm probably going to go way up the creek um just to get away from everybody but if it was like a i'm just gonna go go have fun try out my new kayak my links, so and just try to get into places i normally couldn't get to but um normally right now if i was f- trying to find those uh bigger fish i'd be probably i wouldn't be on the main lake i'd be up uh, the creeks a little bit but i'd be more closer to um main lake um channel swing point stuff like that um And I think that's where kind of a lot of the bigger fish are right now. But as soon as that temperature gets in the mid-60s, I believe those fish are going to start schooling up and get further in the back and back to the creeks. And that's like the last several years around in Missouri, if you don't have a whopper popper in your hand, I I remember last year's tournament, it was like you have the top five people in our tournament. It was a state championship last year, two years. Every person was throwing a whopper popper all day. So that's where I start. I start with the Whopper Popper and just burn it as fast as I can to get reaction strikes just to try to find those fish. Um,
1: At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment
7: and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
6: But, you know, once you find them in the back of the creeks or something, when you're back there, um, just break, Just I'd like to throw a crankbait, like a little squarebill, a little evergreen 1.0. And any if the bait fish Uh-oh, are back there, big the, those bigger fish are going to be on any type of cover if there's a single piece of wood and there's bait fish in the area you want to hit that just single piece of wood on from every angle you can not just one or two casts but just multiple casts in there because there's usually a fish in there if the bait fish are back there and the fish are probably going to be there so that that's what i look for mainly if if there's no bait i'm not even going to bother fishing fishing that area so
5: is is everybody plopper over Chapo? So all a plopper
6: preference? all the day all day long no, no people are choppo. saying no choppo. No. I like the <laughs> chopo
7: and then I've got some that I custom paint but the chopo's been getting a lot of action for me lately
3: really? I don't know if it's a lot of just everybody throwing ploppers for so long but like normally like last year if you'd ask me I would have said just the plopper but this year it wasn't working I started throwing chopos in the same places. And it's been a, and I've, I lose a lot less fish on that, that bait. And I don't, on my ploppers, I change my hooks. On my choppers, I haven't, and I don't lose fish. So I don't know, but it's a, it's a, it's a fun bait. Eric, are you
5: you like the one Guggen revolver guy?
4: I, I don't throw as much topwater probably as I should, but when I do, I, I, I'm throwing a spook before I'm probably going to throw anything else. And that's kind of what I'm wondering. I'm hearing you guys talking. I'm thinking, I wonder where the spook fits in for you guys. Are you still throwing that too and mixing it in, or is it just straight up whopper popper?
6: will oh, no, in the fall I have a whopper popper, a spook, and also a, like a small buzz bait, like a quarter ounce mm-hmm. buzz bait. I'll have all three tied on with me. <laughs> Dwayne's got them all. He's yeah, ready. Yeah.
5: <laughs> He's got them. that man loves some top water, huh? Like what,
6: what, when
3: I went out, out, uh I think it was last weekend, it was spook buzzbait, bait chopo frog because the frog bite in my opinion the frog I mean everybody knows like Gunnersville frogs and you know late September early October but like anywhere out here on the river I don't know it's just it works this time of year open water grassy matty but it's like you can usually get on a bite one of the four but uh I typically throw the spook in like bigger areas I know that's kind of like probably not a really good description but like so like if I'm doing that fall thing you know I'm working at the mouth of the creek and working my way in it's like I'll use the spook further out and as I work in that's when I start going for the you know like the smaller chopo or the buzz bait you know I don't know why it's just I feel like when you're out towards the main river the main lake there's just more water, so maybe that walking bait's calling them from a greater distance than it would be just burning that plopper or bait back to you. But that's kind of how I do it.
5: A lot of times this time of year, I use the Norman Speed Clips. I do that with all my, not my buzz baits, but my other top, my top water rod and my crankbait rod. And I'll keep like a, a popper, a choppo, and a spook. I'll keep all three in a pocket or up on the deck and I'll just take that speed clip and just swap between the three. So, so that way I don't have to have multiple rods for top waters for those. It just lets me change between them. Cause for me, it's like, I guess a chopper or a plopper would be like more covering water or down, down something. I, I would think a spook, a little bit more open water schooling fish and then popper around cover for, for me at least.
6: Well, if I find a bunch of fish and and I don't have to cover water to find them, I know they're there. I think that popper is a very very underutilized bait, especially if it's exact same size as those bait fish.
3: Yeah. So. It, that's a bait I have zero confidence in. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a patience thing, but me and a popper just, we just don't don't get along.
5: I've I've never like everybody watches Greg Blancher stuff, but um. Like he uses it to cover water or kind of like more open water. Like I'd use a spook. I've not, it's something I've never used it that way. For me, it's, I'm just like trying to get at something and not move anywhere. Like I'm just really trying to piss something off, you know? Like mm-hmm. I know there's, I missed a fish, whether it's a follow up or what, I'm just trying to get that
7: one fish. But yeah. I like the popper. Um, I like the bigger poppers so I can walk it as well. And then I'll pop it around some cover or whatever and then walk it back. That's how I get around being impatient.
3: That's, I would say, like, kind of for me too, because I'll use a chugging spook, which is basically like a five-inch long popper. Right. So kind of like a blend. I guess I got confidence there. Just those little bitty ones, man, I got some of those, like, little bitty pop ours that you're supposed to throw on like spinning gear. I'll cast like three times and be like, Nope, this ain't it. Like, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Put the fluke back on. <laughs> yeah.
5: So what it, is it, is everything y'all throwing pretty much this time of the year going to be shad imitators? Or are you, I see some people with a jig, some people always have a jig, but um, I mean, is it mostly shad or bait fish imitators this time of year for y'all?
6: I mean, for, for, for me, for, Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
4: For, for me personally, I, I generally want to start with a moving bait, you know, crankbait, swimbait, that type of stuff. When, it, when the water starts to get to maybe below 50, uh, blade bait, you know, something that's moving. Um, but uh, another thing, too, like these fish are in the Great Lake system are eating gobies a lot. And gobies are just kind of little small fish, no swim bladders. So they stay really tight to the bottom so a tube is always kind of a factor which will imitate a crawl but it's also imitating the gobies so you and if not a tube maybe like a ned rig because those gobies are real small so i'll still fish the bottom but it could be a crawl but it also could be more bait fish gobies that have to stay close to the bottom that you know won't rise up more than maybe six inches a foot off the bottom so bottom is always in play when you're fishing for smallmouth but um, generally speaking i'm going to start by moving something that looks like a bait fish that i'm trying to chase around and find in the first place
6: yeah like i usually do chat imitation stuff for most of the morning anyway you know transition from top water over to like a um, little swim bait or crank bait but i always have a jig tied on because you know you just give your area rest i usually like to go out to secondary points or something and throw a little finesse jig and always always have to have a jig tied on because it doesn't matter if those fish are eating shad or not they're they're most likely going to be eating crawfish as well they're trying to feed up for the winter so a jig is definitely something especially if you're not doing so well with all these moving baits and stuff having a little finesse jig or something like that on tied on to hit the points hit the structure is definitely a good idea to get a Actually, a good kicker too during a tournament. So I always try try the crawfish. I always have a crawfish imitation bait on usually too. So,
5: all right. Well, the, you got my attention. What what finesse jig do you use?
6: Well, especially in the fall, I use the Kai jigs. A um, little rubber rubber tungsten one. The tungsten ones. I use a, fo- a lot of times a football jig, um, but I'll use that uh, casting jig it has kind of a pointed nose and I'll use it as a little swim jig and I've cast a lot of checks on that little, that little jig over the last couple of years. So I don't know if it's like that tungsten head knocking on the rocks or if it just makes a little bit different noise or whatever, or if it's the size of it. I always, and I keep my trailer simple. Since it's a small jig, I usually use a, uh, um, a rage crawl, a baby rage crawl or a um, rage menace. And those, Ooh. and it just depends. Like the rage crawl, if I want more of a tail action and it just fall faster. If I want it to fall a little slower, and I'll use that rage menace because it'll, it'll keep it from digging into those rocks too. With that rage menace, making it fall a little slower. But that rage uh,
5: menace that that's a not only a killer finesse jig, but a killer swim jig trailer too.
6: Yep, I use it on swim jigs all the time. Until I went to and that was
5: that was my, my deal and I don't know how many fish I've caught with that trailer.
6: So yeah, I keep it simple. I don't carry tons of trailers, just rage crawls, rage menaces, stuff like just keep it simple so you don't have to carry a lot of stuff too. So those things work.
5: Do you have a certain temperature whenever you maybe you go to something a little bit more, you know, less action in the winter, or do you, you just stick with that all year?
6: Um, more towards a warmer warmer months i like the rage crawl or yeah the baby rage crawl just because the bait falls a little faster it has a little more action i like it to fall a little slower with the water cooler and i don't know it's more subtle action in the colder water i think and 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 when i fish when i'm fishing colder water i'm usually fishing some type of rock or riprap and having that if you have that rage crawl and it's falling really fast it'll get wedged in those rocks and you'll lose a lot of them so
5: I see see a lot of people where they'll have like, you know, they'll go to these super simple trailers in the winter and then they have like a rage crawl in the summer. I'm like, just cut off the flanges so they don't flap as much. You can have the same bait, you know. Just save some money and same bait, cut off the flaps.
6: Yeah, like when I'm watching like a professional angle or something, do it, they'll put out like a chunk crawl and just put it there. I just don't have confidence doing it like that. I don't know why, Um, but that's why I just, the rage menace, it's you know, you could use it for, you can just flip it Texas rig and catch fish on it. So.
3: Oh yeah. That's usually like my, my go-to, like, like you're kind of using the finesse jig as like a backup, you know, when, like you said, you're letting your spots rest and stuff is, it's either a finesse jig or just a, a smaller Texas rig for me this time of year. Kind of doing the same thing. Just something that falls a little slower, has a little less action, you know, depending on, you know, what your cover is, but I definitely, I'm I'm in the same boat with you.
5: I've been playing with different finesse jigs and looking at some online, about to make an order, so I, that's why I, I asked. Them.
6: Dude, I would definitely do those. Give those KaiTex a try. They're they've been really good for me. Those and the, just the Eakins jigs, Eakins, the five right. and seven sixteenths Eakins jig, they've done pretty well for me. So,
5: Outcast tackle they have one where it's got a, a not. Yeah, not to get on this tangent, but the they have a V-Wee guard, kind of like the hook and the, the V-Wee guards in the middle, which that kind of made sense to me. So, I, I don't know. I thought I'd give them a shot. I've never thrown an outcast anything, but yeah. I don't know. Something different. Dwayne, how, how about you, man?
7: Um, so, even with the moving bait, I am not tied to shad patterns for the fall and I what I figured out I think that makes this happen is everybody's throwing shad patterns and we have such we don't have grass here so these fish see everything constantly especially up shallow and I think everybody just beats the bank with these shad baits and you can come behind with a swim jig or something that's black and blue and even a topwater sometimes I'll throw black this time of year um so um just because of that fishing pressure i feel like a lot of times i can get bit fishing behind people when i'm throwing a different color that's not even shad related
5: is there any preference this time of year to rattle baits or baits without rattles where you're maybe sneaking
7: up on them a little bit more either way <sighs> not necessarily but like it's more about the mood of the fish than the water for me. It's same thing with colors, like the bait colors, just in general. The more the fish are active, the more I'll go with the brighter colors. And the more the fish are in a negative mood, the more I'll go with the transparency and things. And that's regardless of water temperature or water color. But um, one of the things I've really been doing well the last few years in the fall we don't have any grass and we have tons of leaves that fall in the water. And one of the things that you can't, the whopper plopper is so popular, but there's a time where there's so many leaves in that shallow water that you can't even throw it. And I've been throwing, uh, just a toad top lure. Go, yeah.
5: the goat's Yeah. This, yeah.
7: Yeah. This is that new one, but, um, actually I caught some on this last weekend, but, but that with a, um, trocar hook bent out just a little bit has been really good but you can throw that up in those leaves that are floating and it'll it's you know just open water again we don't have any grass but that's just a way i get around those stupid leaves because you can't throw a crankbait you can't throw a top water i mean it just gets silly here for a few almost a month sometimes
3: that's always been my argument about the damn whopper plopper is like i've had so many like spots and smallmouth blow that damn bait out of the water and not catch a hook but i will catch every freaking leaf <laughs> in the <dam> river and <laughs> I, I don't get it like i'll catch my net my pocket everything but you can't catch a fish when it freight trains it like don't have that problem with the chopper. another reason i haven't gone back to the plopper and gunnersville
5: <laughs> it's it's all eel grass on gunnersville too that
3: oh I especially hate. right now yeah, my last trip to Gunnersville was all frustration because I can't st- I don't know how to I, I know guys that go out there and fish the old grass mats and can whack them. I have no clue how to do that. It just frustrates me like I, I have to go find Hydrilla. Ugh. I don't even want to think about it right now. Ugh. <laughs> it's
5: so bad. Well, here, here, Here's an update on my kid. He was feeling sick. He went upstairs when my wife farted really loud and said he felt better. So, (laughs) like
3: father,
5: like son, like father, (laughs) father, like son, something like that.
3: So, um, talking about moving baits and the shad pattern stuff, and you know, Dwayne kind of touched on it throwing out other colors. I I myself don't stick to like the whites and the all shad mimic. Um, I'll throw you know like a a black swim jig with black trailers so it's still like shad as far as moving but it you know i'm still throwing it in those bait areas but like i know that the the arguments usually like you have to you know match the hatch match what they're eating but then i look at it sometimes like if you're throwing the same thing there's so much of it already why are they going to bite yours so I try to give them that something different, that bigger bait profile. Do any of y'all have that kind of look on it? You know, you throw like even if you see the little shed, do you ever like throw like a five inch Tech in there or something like that and kind of mess with it? Or like how how do you go about it? And it's gonna be I think it's gonna be different for everybody because everybody's you know, bodies of waters are different.
6: Well, like for me, like talking about different colors, like 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 if I'm throwing a fluke or something, most people are gonna throw white. But my favorite is green pumpkin magic. And you know, I could I'll throw that. Over the white any day. I don't. I just have much better luck on the the green pumpkin. So
3: my my go to smoke and Shad. I shed. love I love that <laughs> one. It's black. It's silver. I feel like it does everything I needed to do in one color.
4: I usually start with with green pumpkin, but then again, like shad isn't really the deal up here like it is down south. Right. Um, you know, perch pretty much going to be green. You know, they had the they have a little mm-hmm. bit of orange, a little bit of yellow. And then you got the bluegill that's always green. But even when I travel down south for what I do, not necessarily in the fall, but I generally start with green pumpkin. And I just, I feel like it looks so natural and so fishy that most places that I go to, they'll, they'll eat green pumpkin if it's in front of their face. And I guess I, I hadn't really considered the, the aspect of, you know, them seeing a bunch of whites, so maybe they would react different. Um, I guess my switch up from like a traditional, like green pumpkin like a height delight type deal where it has a little bit of chartreuse or a little bit of white. So it kind of is the best of both worlds. Um, but I usually start with green pumpkin. And if I'm absolutely like just having a rough time, I might switch it up to something else to see if it makes a difference. But I always figured that if you're fishing around hungry fish, color isn't the most important thing. Um, it definitely can make a big difference, but with all the other variables involved, that's generally not my number one concern. I try to keep that super simple and worry about other things, you know, whether it be profile, presentation, that type of deal.
5: Uh, why, why, Richie? Why uh, green pumpkin magic instead of just green pumpkin? I always see that color, but it's one I usually don't choose. Is, you know, is it, it just for like, like a, a light out? Condi- you know, like bright. It's just
6: confidence for, for me. <laughs> I think. I just always use that color. I'm not sure what that little gold flake or little flake does. Maybe it shows a flash that the regular green pumpkin do- black flake doesn't. Um, but just, I don't know technically why oh, the yeah. fish like it, but you know that's basically the only, that green pumpkin magic and white are the only two like colored flukes I even bring with me. So I don't, who knows why it works, but... <laughs> better than anything else, but it d- works for me. So,
7: Dwayne, how about you, man? Um, well, you ask about size. I personally feel like size of the bait is one of the most important things. And so, like, if I'm going to throw, say, a Chapo or, or whatever, if they're eating little bitty shad, I'm either going to throw one that's clear or at least one that's very ghost-like. So, in that aspect, the color is actually matching the size of the bait versus the actual color of the bait. So, but, what yeah, it seems size, like...
6: What size are you throwing, Dwayne, Whopper Ploppers, in the fall?
7: <sighs> this year, they've been all about the Chopo 75. That has been my go-to deal, that little short, fat one. I don't like the 90 because it rolls in the Whopper Plopper. Yeah. Um. I don't know about the chapo. I actually have some, but I haven't thrown them.
3: That's the that's my go-to size on chapo, and they they do not roll like the nice, regular does. Nice.
7: Yeah, nice. I
3: mean you'll get yeah. a little roll, like if you get uh, a you know crazy cast, but most of the time right. it turns over just a little bit on its side mm-hmm. and runs straight to
7: you. It's yeah. But that seventy-five has been really good to me this year. So, um, it, once it got hot summertime, because basically we're still summer fishing and i like to throw that thing when the sun's out you know when nobody else is throwing top water and just cover miles of shoreline until you hit five good ones
3: that's usually how i end up uh, zeroing a tournament (laughs) You, you get that one strike on top water early morning i'm like all right boys the rest of the rods are going up We're dying on top water. (laughs) I'm
5: putting the tether. I'm putting these the tether tubes on them. That's right. I don't need those anymore.
7: Usually for me, the day where I'm going to fish it all day, I won't catch any in the morning. Like if if Mm -hmm. I have a morning where I don't catch any on top water, I'm like, oh, this is an all day top water deal. Just completely counterintuitive. But Uh, some
6: of the best days I've had on top water has been bright sunny days. So yeah. Oh
7: yeah. I don't think
3: I've, and it now mostly cause like fishing in the current's like my thing. I don't really think that the daylight seems to matter with that, but I, I don't think of days where I had a lights out top water day and it was because it was overcast. Like most of the time, especially like some of the guys I fish with, like when we're going to go do a float or something like that, like they don't want to go if it's not just bluebird skies. So I, I think there is a lot, a lot to that. You know, depending on where you are. Mm. Well, now I know what I'm throwing all weekend, damn it. <laughs> the 1911
1: is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911, and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At MidwayUSA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out midwayusa.com.
3: I'm trying to think, let's see. I do do any of y'all get into doing like uh so like go to in the fall for me for shad stuff. Like we already talked about the fluke. Fluke's just always good down here on the Tennessee River. It doesn't really matter what time of year it is. Um, but I, I, really like throwing like swim jigs like we've talked about, but, uh, underspins are like, this is, I usually do, do damage on underspins the very beginning of spring or go down to these little, uh, you know, three inch and under Kitex on a smaller underspin right now, or even things like the, uh, Okashira heads with like a two inch little, uh, damn, I can't remember the name of those baits mega bass makes them spark show yeah that one yeah. um do any of y'all get into like getting into that kind of small profile because eric i i would assume that just because like some of the trick i got with that was from some of the northern smallmouth guys do you get into that kind of stuff
4: um i usually start on on the bigger side mm-hmm. um when i when i'm throwing swim baits and i and i love to throw a swim bait particularly in cold water um I I just think it's one of those baits that, that can work all year round. I usually start around a 3.8 Kytec. That's usually like my jumping off point, but I, but I do have some 3.3s and on occasion I'll, I'll go a 2.8. But always in the back of my head, I'm thinking that, you know, in, in this system, even though, you know, they're small mouth and you're thinking small stuff, there is a lot of big bait around, you know, the, Perch can get up to 14 not inches, you know, obviously right. I don't think that they're feeding on those. But 3.8, like I say, that that's kind of my jumping off point. But I don't necessarily think that these fish are afraid of them. I I have a buddy that fished up here, very, very good um, smallmouth angler. He starts at five inches when he fishes swim bait. He always tells me, you're, you're throwing too small. But then another guy who's very good kayak angler up here on Lake St. Clair, he usually starts at a 3.3. Um, but I usually start on the little bit bigger side thinking that, you know, particularly in the fall, they're probably going for, you know, to eat as much as they can and to feed up as much as they can. Yeah. Gorging. And since there is bigger bait around, I think that they, you know, that they'll still eat it, but if I'm just not getting bit and I feel like I should on a swim bait, I'll I'll downsize and sometimes it can make a big difference.
3: You know, you talking about the bigger stuff, that's something that I, you know, I, I'm always trying to, like, you know, find videos that are, like, pushed back in the deep parts of YouTube, you know, (laughs) like, old videos of wherever I'm going fishing. And I found, and it actually, it turned out it wasn't an old video. It was from uh, the same day I was out on the lake. uh, And guys were going up in the tail races of Pickwick and throwing um, 10-inch shiner baits, like replica shiners. And, And they were throwing big... You know, like bigger than your hand live. And they were throwing them in the tail race and they were just they were averaging five pound smallmouth. And I was like, that was just you know, an eye opening. Like, you don't think a smallmouth's gonna try to eat a bait of that size just because of smallmouth, you know? But it's definitely like that's the first time I've ever considered getting into the swim bait game as far as bigger stuff, but now it's like, okay, well, maybe maybe i'm going about it wrong maybe i need to take the five fives or you know four eights out with me kitex and you know see what what they do in those situations but what about you richie anything
6: yeah. uh well actually this year i bought my first swim bait rod i bought a couple uh, sw- uh swim baits so i want to try to get into them like the uh, Texas swim baits has some couple really good. I got the, I think it's the 6.5 inch, um, and clutch has a swim bait. That's like eight inches. And I, I took them out this weekend and tried to throw them. I didn't catch anything on them, but it was trying to get used to figuring it out and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm a big, smaller swim bait person. I always have like a little Kytec, uh, round jig with like most of the time it's a 3.3 inch kitech i always have it with me no matter where i'm fishing at i always have it sitting in my tackle bin or something um to tie on if in case just in case i need something to give me a uh a bite um i also have the mat- the four four inch uh Bass. Uh, uh what do you call those you just said it Spark a minute Spark yes those um and this time of year we haven't discussed anything about the a rig yet I was getting to that one, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I've the last several weeks I've been getting all my A rigs uh, fixed up, and I don't like the big swim baits on A rigs. Like I like to like the smaller 2.8 to 3.3 3 max. Um, now I, I just started getting into the A rigs last year, and just just had a blast with them, man, catching two fish at a time. And I can't wait till this fall, the when it gets cooler and the the bite gets better, to start throwing them around. I, I've been trying to figure out for the longest time. Like,
5: if you have the Okashira slash greenfish tackle shin spin, the one with the propeller deals, and then you have a regular swim bait, then you have like an underspin or a flashy swimmer. When the hell are you choosing which one to do what? Like, they seem so close. I, I can't figure out, like, do I need all of them in my tackle box? Do I just need you know, a couple of them. Hey, anybody have anything for me on that?
3: I can. So I, I do the same thing. So I run both style Okashiras because they have them with and without. And then I've got some of the little, like, uh, I think it's the, the guppy heads that like tactical bass and uses. And then I throw, you know, various sizes of underspins. I usually take a few of each because I've had days, especially when I first got tried the Okashira heads, I, you know, the one with the little flashy blade on it looks so cool. I was throwing it, throwing it, throwing it, nothing. And I only took two with me and snagged those two up and lost them and went to the same exact size without it. And I caught fish the rest of the day. So now I don't like, I don't leave. Like I have a, I I run the Plano Edge terminal box and one of the long ones in it is underspins, the various styles of the guppy heads and the oak shear heads. They always go. Because it, it's I haven't figured out like when one works more than the other, but if it, it's something I have to tell myself during the day, if I'm going to throw one of those, I need to remember that if one's not working, I need to try one of the others because it, it's worked before. It's just a simple switch, same profile size and everything. It's just like little flash sometimes, a lot of flash sometimes, no flash at all sometimes. Anybody else got anything on that?
4: When- when somebody was talking earlier, they they just mentioned basically the, the confidence part of the whole thing. And and the other thing was traveling light and always in the back of my head, like I, I try to use and kind of figure out what I want to do. And then I just kind of commit to that one thing. And, and sometimes you get bit. But my my I'm always afraid that I'm going to chase a bite and constantly try and and find that that one thing that's that's really going to get them today and i'm going to spend so much time changing and trying to figure out which one that i that i'm not fishing confident i'm not believing what i'm doing um so i i'm I'm with you in the fact that i haven't really found that one is any particularly better than the other so i just kind of commit to the one that i like i usually just use a little ball head jig and just stick with that. I, I haven't been convinced in any scenario that one was better than the other. So I just try to keep it as simple as I can for my own mental that I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. it on tournament day. Well, maybe I need to do this or this or this or this. Keep mm-hmm. it simple and just kind of commit to my what I'm doing that day.
5: Like like for me, Jimmy, usually I would go – I would say, oh, well, the I, I do like the Okashira because it gets – you can get it down pretty low, pretty quick. Same with a swim bait. But like, if that's not working, then I'm, I'm just going to go do something else. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try something a little bit different of that. I'm just going to go do something else altogether. Right. And, yeah. and, and maybe that's, you know, maybe I'm leaving fish whenever I shouldn't be. Maybe that's.
3: But, but at know. the same time, maybe I'm trying too hard, but to clarify. Yeah. So like, sometimes it won't be like, so, like, if I'm, I'm fishing this spot and I'm throwing an Okashira and it's not working, I'm not going to cut it off time on another one and keep going. I'll probably go to something else that I have confidence in, you know. And, when it, you know, if you're fishing and you're cycling through setups, it would be like when I came back to that, I'd be like, okay, it's time to try that little bit different. It, it's only one time I think I've ever, like, cut one off and put the other one right on and went right to it. Cause uh, that was when I first got them, and it was like I wanted to learn how to use it, you know, see how it worked, see how it drops, see how it swims, things like that. But uh, Richie, just to touch on your uh, your swim bait thing, have you tried uh, Huddleston's yet?
6: No, no, I have not. Nope, I have the. Gotta uh, get Aiden. you some of them. I got the eight inch spark or the six and eight inch spark shads. Um, the Huddleston, huh? Okay, I'll give them a shot. They're not bad.
3: That. I think these are like. I think they're 30 bucks maybe 50 bucks i don't remember but they're you know super stretchy and uh like you can swim them because they got that big bulbous tail but like this is like i like to th- drag them this type of year time of year like go out even if it's shallow water and just just slow reel them in sometimes you get like like you were talking earlier about like targeting cover like Sometimes I feel really stupid, and then I'll see that like, oh, there's that one cypress tree. Mm-hmm. I could probably pitch in there with that jig and get a fish, but I'm going to try to pitch in there with that Huddleston. And, you know, maybe there's a 10 pounder back there, but be prepared to take
4: uh, pain pills with you because it'll wear <laughs> your shoulder out. You, you yes. just made a good point, too. One of the things that I try to do in my switch up is really a lot of it's on the speed. You know, really, you know, counting rocks and ticking every one on the bottom, you know, burning it in and trying to kind of hit, you know, everywhere on the water column and try the different speeds. To me, sometimes that's the bigger difference. I notice more, you know, differences in the results in that than what I would trying to make other changes. Speed is a big, yeah. big factor, I think.
3: De- definitely. I, I, I'm probably getting super guilty of being kind of too fast. It's probably a good thing I don't have a boat because I'd be <laughs> one of those guys kind of like a, which this used to be a joke about Dustin Connell. Dustin was always like trolling motor on 10 and just, you know, busting down the bank. Now, Dustin Connell's like the king of offshore fishing with life scope. Hmm. And, you know, that, that doesn't come into play anymore. But I definitely like even when I finesse, I finesse quickly. Like that's that's why me and a Ned Rig do not have a good relationship. Like they're like, you just throw it out well brother I don't that's not me I can't like I gotta wiggle it and shake it and drag it and you know maybe one minute drop shot's probably the only thing I can throw and that's something else I was gonna get to here in a second Uh, drop shot's probably the only thing that I can really like finesse and just let let it be and it's usually because like I cast it and then I put the rod in a rod holder and I like (laughs) pick up my phone like take a bite of your sandwich and then you hear this and you're
0: like hey
7: uh dwayne, you got any
3: anything to add into
7: all this? Um, I'm not a big underspin guy except in the spring. There's a time when they first move up, you know when they're in that eight ten foot range that I'll throw an underspin quite a bit. But in the fall, like if I just see something that makes me think that's what's gonna happen, I have them with me, but it's just not just not a big deal for me.
3: I understand I, i've got some buddies that swear by a spinnerbait won't throw an underspin you know and, and yeah and like, <laughs> for me i'm like that, they're that, same that's thing. another one
5: yeah <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to figure that one out too like every year every year i go through all my tackle i'm like i'm taking this out this i don't need these overlap i can throw this instead of this that's another one underspin slash spinnerbait i can't figure that out either
3: man for me it's like one year i can whack them with an underspin and then the next year i'll get out that old $1 Academy spinner bait and I'll smack them with that instead. Like, I don't know. I just, when I take my unlimited, like my tournament boat, my big water boat, I've got way too much gear in it. And like, I do like you're talking about Dan, like when I'm setting up my Creek boat, like, it's like, what can I fit in one thirty seven hundred? And that's when I start thinking like, you'd be like under spinner spinner bait. Well, the underspins way
7: less. We're going to go with the underspins. It's like, (laughs) it's
6: see, I don't even fish.
7: Those aren't even the same for me. If I'm throwing a spinnerbait, it's usually dirtier water and I throw an underspin in clear water. So, okay. so for me, those are completely different. That that used
3: to be me yeah. and then Drew Gregory got me on throwing finesse spinnerbaits in clear water. And <laughs> and it worked. And I was like, uh oh. and then Jody Queen got me, you know, well, he gave us information on throwing chatterbaits in crystal clear water and current I do aspects. that currently. So I I
0: like, there's so
6: many options. There's like on Table Rock Lake, Aaron Martin had dominated some tournaments on spinnerbaits, just fishing spinnerbaits in that crystal clear water. So,
7: yeah, and- well, let me clarify I'll throw a spinnerbait in either, but I only throw the underspin in clear water. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha.
3: Yeah, the, the underspin, I, I, it's just universal for me. It's just, I don't know. My my head's like, it's the same but different, <laughs> which makes <laughs> zero sense.
7: One of my best tournaments I ever had on an underspin was in dirty water. So, I mean, it, it's, all, <laughs> it's all relevant.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, one thing I wanted to touch on, because Richie brought it up, is the A-Rig. I you know, Normally, it's like a wintertime, spring deal for me. I have hardly left home without one this year, and I've caught fish all year on it. I was throwing them in... The dead heat of the summer on schooled up fish and catching them with um like you were saying you like to keep the smaller ones i i like to throw uh i throw i'll throw all three eights but my center chaser will be like a five um and usually a different color just don't know i have a buddy that throws all the same color all the same size has no issues but um let's talk about that and I want to know like what your rig of choice is. The one that I'm I'm going to next year because I've seen it do so good is the uh, hog farmer harvester rig. Uh, the, probably the I don't know if it's the flex rig, but it's a for anybody listening, go go check that one out. It is a wicked looking umbrella rig. Looks like you would throw it off the back of a tuna boat. You know, like wicked looking. Yeah, the double. It's got it's got five. <laughs> five teasers and five hooks or head it's nuts like
5: if, it, if it's legal where you live
3: yeah because i mean different you know it's three hooks five hooks but you can have as many teasers you just have to have your hooks to uh the right spec but uh whoever wants to start with that even if it's a no tell me tell me why you don't consider it
6: uh well i one of the my favorite a rigs is uh, big daddy a rigs from they're out of Dayton Tennessee um it's just it's a heavy wire so if I catch more than one fish I just boat flip it um and it just it's just kind of for a heavy wire and I get the camouflage once when you have it when I see put it in the water I can't see those wires even if I'm in clear water so and it's just a, a basic five wire with five blades and that's and it just holds up it doesn't just holds up to me i can boat flip fish it's just been one of my favorite ones i i have a yum dinger stuff like that um but uh, those um big daddy um a rigs were are my favorite right now Anyway, what are you line wise what are you throwing it on i'm i throw most things on floral carbon but with this i'm going to be throwing at least 17 pounds Seventeen to twenty pound fluorocarbon. You I'm can gonna, throw it on braid. I probably should do that. But that's why
3: you say boat flipping. I throw mine on like fifty pound, you know, an expensive thin fifty pound braid. That way, I just don't have to. Especially once I get into these more expensive a rigs. I don't. I don't want to. You know, I've yeah. I've taken the umbrellas, and you know, I never retie, and I've I've <laughs> you know sent that cast and that thing just snap right off, and you just you know, watch $20 with the Kytex fly off in the sunset. You add a $50 umbrella (laughs) rig to that and I'm going to get it.
6: (laughs) Yeah. G funk Bates makes a really good. A rig. Yeah, I've heard that. that. Yeah. My, my, my my buddy
5: Chuck, that's his, he swears by them.
6: My buddy sent me a video of him. Every single cast, he's catching two or three fish on one of those. So I was like, yeah, I better go pick a couple up. And, and especially for Missouri, they have a perfect one that comes, uh, I, th- I, don't think those. I think those come with the O-rings on it or the swivels. I don't think they come with the snaps, and I prefer those over the the snaps. So, I haven't done one with uh with that. It's always been
3: the snaps, because like up until this point, I didn't have confidence in it, and I only threw cheap ones. And now that I'm like <laughs> really confident in it, it's like all right, time to step the game up a little bit. I still only ordered one of them though, so.
6: But like you're saying, a hog farm. I know people <laughs> that just strictly throw hog farmers, and and they do really well on those. I, like, I know so. a
3: lot of the big fish that I saw caught out in uh, Texas this year, the hog farmer harvester rig was the a rig they were throwing, and you know a lot of it's going to be like what jig heads are on it, what bait are you throwing behind it. It's just, I, like I've heard that the flex rig on a big fish does, dude, it'll just wreck it, but. I've heard that the standard harvester rigs are just hard to beat when it comes to like wire strength and, you know, like you said, how it's translucent when it runs and so. But we'll see. Anybody I else keep, in the, in the area game?
5: I keep one in the tackle box, but I I usually <laughs> I, I don't pull it out. Like it would have to be a certain situation for me to pull one out, but I always have one with me. I can make one up, but I, I don't ever have one tied on. Oh, I don't go out with it tied on, I'll say that.
3: You know, what's crazy is like, I, it was...
1: Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear. Which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to midwayusa.com.
3: I think it was like 100 deg- 101 degrees that day or something like that. And we were out on a lake in a tournament. And, you know, I was chasing the schools of fish and trying to, you know, do different stuff. And I was like, man, this is exactly what they look like on the graph in the spring when I was doing it. <laughs> I happened to have that rod with me. So I tied it on, and my buddy was like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. We're going to see. In, like, first cast, I caught, like, a three-pounder. And I was like, oh, hold up. And then I proceeded just running around that day, just busting them off the schools. And now it's like, sometimes when I we go out to a bigger water, even if it's somewhere I don't ever throw one, if I don't have it, I'm like, ah, I should have. But you pay for it, especially, like, I'm getting older, man. My shoulders are wrecked. Like, if I run an A-Rig for a day, that next day, or three, is <laughs> like ibuprofen and ice packs it's rough
7: yeah that's why i don't throw big swim baits anymore <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah See, i know a lot of people throw those on big seven eight rods i i got it like a seven two i wanted to keep it smaller easier to i guess easy lighter easier to cast so no the only reason i throw mine on the my, i throw mine
3: on a seven nine is just for the distance like i can mm-hmm. i can really get which kind of blew my mind because it's more of a more of like a lob than if you're if you're doing like a regular cast you are going to destroy your shoulder (laughs) and your gear but uh yeah i've thought about trying uh, because they have some of the more finesse a rigs too and i've thought about trying to like downsize it and then throw it on like a seven two
6: or seven three and see what that does see i try to keep my as light as possible like with a an eighth ounce weight each on each own I know a lot of people like to throw heavier, but I like to keep mine as light as I possibly can get. I've
5: tried the like the three three bait a rigs, or I think they're three bait. This, definitely the more finesse ones. I've never done any good with them.
3: A, a buddy of mine throws the the one that I think uh, Live Target makes. That's the the mm-hmm. mini a rig uh, with three hooks, and he can tear up spotted bass with it. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know if it ever holds any count with like good largemouth. And I throw, you said eighth ounce. I throw three sixteenths out heads. I, I just use the originals. The They're called the original Alabama rig. Like they're the original jig heads that hmm. the A-Rigs hmm. used to come with. And they just, I tried throwing all sorts of different stuff, squadron heads and round heads. And I never felt that it looked like it ran correctly. So I just, I, especially because I found those on a sale around town. Uh, they were like 50 cents a pack. So I bought a lot of them. <laughs>
7: I don't throw one a whole lot, but the thing I've been doing lately when I do, I've been rigging it with like an extra wide gap. There's a couple of brands that have a almost like a wobble head top, but it's made for an A rig and it's got an extra wide gap and you rig it weedless. And I've just been throwing it up in all kinds of stuff and had some pretty good success with that early this spring.
1: I would okay, definitely
3: I, lean to try that because I'm notorious for letting mine top brush and treetops. Hmm. And it's like, especially you'll find that, you know, you'll see them on the graph and be like, oh, ho ho, and then never fails. First cast, I stick it in the top of that tree <laughs> and I got to go paddle across it and
6: shake the I tree hear a lot, of the ground. A <laughs> lot more and more people are throwing it weedless so they can throw it in trees and they don't lose their $50 A-rigs <laughs> as much, so...
5: I, I use the uh, fishhead swim, the Greg Vinson V-lock swim bait hooks, and they're soft enough to where you can, you can pull, flex out the hook. I mean, it's that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I you can do it a couple times before you've, you you can not use it anymore, but if you get snagged up, you can get it, you know, you can toss it out of there.
3: Yeah, those those hooks right there are heavy wire. When it snags up, it's you're not getting it back. You you hope you get that uh snap ring to split, which they're like eighty pound snap rings, so good luck. <laughs> right.
7: Yeah. Yeah, when I'm doing that, I'm trying to throw it in stuff just specifically to see if I can find fish that have never seen an A rig, you know.
5: Yeah, for sure. All right, well, it's been an hour. We don't want to hold y'all up. It's getting late, Eric. Uh, Did we
3: get to you on that, Rick, real quick? Not to cut you off.
4: Um, you didn't, but I really don't have a whole lot to add. I I know that you know you can really get into good smallies when they're grouped up in them, but I I haven't really given it much of a shot. I've thrown it down south, but just don't, never really did enough on it to really have much of an opinion one way or another, but I. I enjoyed soaking that in. I'm going to try it again. I'm listening to you guys talk about it. I'm thinking I could probably try that here in the next week or so. Man, it's when
3: when the bites on, it's just fun. And like catching multiple fish on it. Like it's my favorite thing to do. If you're just like out, just goofing off is like, if you're getting around spotted bass, that's like the one that when you find them, when you reel it in, you'll feel that first bump and you set the hook and then you'll be reeling it in. And then boom, it gets heavier. Boom. It gets heavier again. And it's just, you're just stacking fish on hooks, and it's, and they're just still coming. I've never, I've done a three, I've never done anything more than that, but I've, I've heard of guys having them choke all five hooks.
4: And We're like, three hooks up here. Um, right. Which is a little bit different. Uh, I, I know you guys could use five down there, at least in Alabama. There's um, no limits here.
6: Yeah. We're three. No, no in, limits. We're three in Missouri and Kansas. So,
4: yeah, right. I thought we were five, and
3: I was uh, proven wrong because uh, one of our, one of our guys down here that's really good with A rig was throwing them with seven hooks and everybody was complaining because he caught a limit in like two casts. <laughs> and uh I was like, I it was me and him got away from everybody and I was like, man, I think they're right, dude. You're only supposed to throw five. He's got it saved on his phone. I was like, here you can read that.
1: <laughs> and I was
3: like,
4: okay, let's go. <laughs> I could have had some more hooks on mine. <laughs> seven hooks It seems chaotic.
0: Like, a, yeah. like you're
4: unhooking fish and you have all these other hooks <laughs> bouncing around. That's that's crazy. I'd love to get into a bite, but I just I haven't yet. So
5: Guarantee I'd hook myself with seven hooks. Oh, <laughs> I, I can
4: say I stab myself every
3: day that I'm using a rig. It never fails because you'll get the fish in and I'll be grabbing one and he'll shake. And then, boom, you got a three-aught in your arm or four-aught or whatever those are. It sucks, but it's so worth it.
7: Anybody caught four before at the same time? I've caught two. That's it. I caught three small ones, so it was kind of like one fish. (laughs) I I had four coming in one time. I could see all four fish, but by the time I got it, got them in the boat, I only had three.
6: Was
5: that the three best ones or the?
7: Um, they were all nice. (laughs) Oh,
5: okay.
7: Yeah, I had. It, it was a crazy it was back when it first started it was a crazy night i had five for like 19 and a half pounds it was just stupid
3: i I remember i've told the story for i remember when the a-rig came out i bought one and this is back when i had no shit about fishing and uh it was the first trip i took in my boat when i had a bass boat and i tied it on like a medium heavy it was a umbrella and threw all my baits on there and look at my buddies! So I just want to know what it's like to catch one on it you know you chuck it out there it about breaks the rod in half because it's just way too much for the rod and like three cranks in doom 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 they're just smacking at it because they've never seen it before and I was I was hooked then and then I kind of just you know I never could get confidence with it and I stopped throwing yeah, it
7: that's me I I fished it when it first came out for two or three years pretty good and then just I've I bet I haven't thrown one well, I have a. There's a small lake close to my house in the wintertime that I use side imaging, and I can see the fish out there and cast to them almost like live target or whatever. But it's not. Yeah. But that's just like for fun. It's not. It's a shallow lake, so I
4: can't recreate it in a tournament situation. All right. Uh-huh. What's the number one like tell that today is an A rig day? I need to be throwing one. What's the number one sign that you know that that's going to be the du- the juice?
3: For me, it's when you're finding the the tighter group schools like like this year was the first year I'd really seen it. You know, it was it was bigger schools on the graph. Like tightly together, whether they were actively feeding or relating to bait, you know, set up. But I was able to do it, just throw it through those schools when they weren't chasing bait you know, just sitting, I mean, I think the, the deepest I did it was, you know, sitting in, I think I was sitting in 30 foot of water and they were like at 25 and they weren't, they weren't actively feeding and there were no bait profiles on the graph. And I, I was able to, you know, bomb past them. I just let the rig go to the bottom. When I felt it get in the bottom, I picked it up, you know, basically just one rip up and then I started reeling it through them. And that worked. I mean. I'd, it's one of those like to be continued. Ask me this question next year when I've had time to try to like do that again, because it's this time of year when you're throwing it. Like I don't even care if I see them on graph. There's fish here somewhere, and they're in their like fall feeding frenzy, or supposedly. So it, you're just throwing it, trying to have something that they want, uh, but not really school targeting. But anybody else? Oh, if, go ahead. if you
4: if you have a ball of bait, and the bait itself is not active. They're Mm -hmm. just kind of there, and you whip one of those through there. Does the bait start to react to that Sometimes through? Yeah. I'm just wondering if that could get the bait fired up and get the fish fired up, even regardless if you catch them on an A-rig, but just kind of get things moving.
3: So something I had happen this year during that tournament was throwing it. It wasn't that deep. It was like 12 feet. It came through bait, and the bait pushed up to the surface. And we're like popping on the surface, and the fish went up with them. So it was like it went from them being on a deeper bite to they were at the top going crazy. So then you're like, oh, put the eight rig down, get your spook, get your you know, get your top water, like a frog, whatever. But I don't know. There's like a lot of it for me. It's like I, I haven't done it enough to have all that fact yet. But a lot of theories. A lot of theories. You I definitely using, think it does.
7: Are you using forward facing sonar? Not yet. Okay.
3: I'm afraid to get it now because I'm like, I've seen all these guys (laughs) in Texas this year staring at their screen, throwing A-Rigs all day. I don't (laughs) do it.
7: (laughs) The description of what you're doing sounds like you were. That's why I was asking. Mm. I
3: I have really, my Garmin has helped me really, really dial in like side imaging and my, like being able to use my side scan and my down scan to really pinpoint where something is. And, you know, like see the pod, have a general area of idea of the area that it's in of, of the bait, you know, being able to show, okay, they're 20 feet off this side of the boat, throw past them. And then like, you know, the, for me, the, that was what worked was I obviously swam through them because they came to the top freaking out. So like something got them going, whether it was fish coming after the rig or the rig running through the bait I definitely would love to do it on Ford Face and Sonar to watch it, to to answer even that next question. But again, I, as much as I want one, I think that all the progress I'm making with fishing will go downhill very quickly.
6: <laughs> you know, I bought one. I have it set up, everything. I put it on. I took it out once and I took it off. Haven't put it back on.
3: That was uh, uh-huh. my, one of my buddies, Tennessee hammer, Garrett Johnson, Garrett, wax them without it and then he'll put it on his boat and that's the days he struggles
6: it's so. not like i didn't like it or you know i don't have enough experience with it but it's just it just i like to keep things simple and it just so much more stuff on your kayak to get yeah. heavier it's in my way kind of so that's kind of it's not it's basically just making my kayak heavier and getting in the way is the main reason why I took it off but I know a lot of people that have success using it, especially in early spring and late fall it's it's a definitely a good tool to learn how to use but
3: I, I tell myself that the only reason I want it is so that I can uh, you know like cut out water you know come mm-hmm. into an area be like there is no reason to fish here obviously because I don't see them but I know that i'll I'll sit on them And just like, because like for me, I'm like, that's how I'm going to learn how to offshore fish. I'm going to go sit out in the middle of the lake and put forward scan on them and act like I'm Brandon Polinick, which probably won't work.
6: Like a lot of guys I know, early spring, early part of the year, February, March, they killed it. Then after that, they started struggling a little bit. So it's
3: because it's the, it's so much about that fish wanting to bite anyway mm-hmm. and I think like just especially what you're saying like in the spring I feel like they're more likely to bite than you know the the dead dead nuts heat of the summer unless you're some of these pros man. some of the some of the elites and stuff they they figure it out I don't understand it but I'd, I'd, was, you know, I'd, I I'd really like to out.
5: I'd like to get a 360 like to me the the spatial you know it, it just makes sense looking at it more I thought about maybe doing something off the back of the cat kind of like a where it just hinges up and down where I could pull it out of the water with a like on a
6: with like some cord. Kind of, yeah,
5: yeah like you pull up with a motor where it, you put a magnet back there and it just sits it locks into place and you can pull it up kind of like a motor I thought about doing something like maybe doing that over the winter because I, I i like the 360.
4: For, for me, forward facing sonar, I mean, up here it can really be the deal. Particularly on Lake St. Clair, like when that came out, it kind of changed the game. And at this point, particularly in the big boat tournaments, like if you don't if you don't have one, mm-hmm. it's it's almost hard to compete. Um, there's not enough kayak guys yet to where it's really like putting you at a huge disadvantage not to have one. But I've always wondered, like, and I and I've asked the guys that have them, like, does this take away from the experience of fishing? Um, You know, I just have the regular side scan and the 2D that I look at a lot now, but I feel like I'm already looking at my screen a lot. And it's like when I'm going fishing, how much more time do I really want to dedicate looking at the screen as opposed to just like the experience that you're in on the water? Um, I don't know. I I could definitely see the benefits, even largemouth fishing, like Jimmy's saying, eliminating water, being able to make targeted casts to isolated grass patches versus you know, trying to find them by casting and then staying on them with your waypoints and stuff. I mean, I, I can definitely see the benefits, but I just wonder how it affects the, the experience itself of being on the water, taking it into nature and just the joy of being outdoors, which yeah. is why I like to do it for the most part. So that's kind of where I'm halfway. We
3: yeah. just all got to, you know, keep, keep her, keep our heads in it. Um, John Cox does not use forward facing sonar, and John Cox is still a god in the pro world. But the day he gets that if I don't have it yet, if he ever like shows up at a tournament circuit with live scope on the front of his aluminum boat, I'll be like, damn it, all right. <laughs> like, guess I gotta try it. Just ban him
5: and we don't have to worry about it. Do what? I like that idea. Yeah. Just Just I'm kidding. not gonna
3: lie, I would I want one. We've talked about it. If they banned them tomorrow, I'd be cool with it. Be like, great, just yeah. one less thing, less Save money, me some money. Yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. It's it's like using your flasher, like we talked about earlier. It's like a Vexlar. It's just a little bit more advanced. I would um, love to like ho- host a tournament up
3: there in the in the northern because God knows those guys have vexlars But it'd be fun to have like a kayak tournament, and that's all you could take with you, electronics wise. Take a little flasher with you. Take take a flasher with you and drop her off the side. That's all <laughs> you can use. That'd be freaking funny. I love it. All right. Well, well before we let else? you. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Anything else anybody wants to put in on fall before we let her go? I,
4: I would say for me, when it comes to fall fishing, when, when I'm going, I, I know that it's kind of a feast or famine type of deal. You can have some really, really good days. For me, it's just about covering water finding bait high percentage areas and i mean if they're not there they're not there for me I, I don't feel like at least up here you really have to trick them too much if they're there they're going to eat they're they're ready to go just cover water and find them and you might fish seven hours and only catch them for one but that one hour can be really really good
3: anybody else tiny crankbait. Uh, tiny crankbait. Uh, <laughs>
7: <laughs> little bitty one. Only time of year I throw the little bitty time, like smaller than a one point five, is a 1.0. But I, that has saved me in the fall so many times when it's super tough.
3: Something else I need to tie on, I guess. Yeah, something I don't,
5: I don't even own. You, you don't own
3: tiny crankbaits.
5: Well, like a Fat John Sixties, but I, I don't, you know, Little John MD. I throw all Little Johns, Little John the whole series, but
3: can't add money.
5: That's it. Well, no, I mean, I don't have a lot of them. <laughs> I, change the, I sharpen the hooks and touch them up with paint. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cheap. But...
3: <laughs> All right, Richie, anything else on fall?
6: Yeah, find the bait fish. You know, bait fish, want they want the same thing bass do. They want kind of moving water. They want the most oxygen they can have. So if there's those bait fish there, the bass are going to be there. So heck yeah. There you we go. Well, we, we want
5: to give everybody a chance before we let you go to shout out any sponsors or anybody that makes fishing easier for you. Eric, we'll start with you, man.
4: I'm, I'm not a sponsor guy and uh, that's something that's never really mattered too much to me. I, I just like to do it. I, I like to go out, have fun, you know, and just enjoy the experiences. Um, you know, I you mentioned earlier I fished the KFL, so you know, the Motor City Ambassadors will Man, give them a shout-out. Yeah. Out and yeah. We, we, we have a lot of fun. You know, we, we had a pretty good year, and, and it was – but what makes the KFL great is just the camaraderie, the brotherhood, you know, going out there, mixing it up with some guys, having fun, going out to dinner, doing that whole deal. And uh, but besides that, just, just my family, you know, and I, I got a lot of fishing buddies. That's what's cool about the kayak community or the fishing community in general is just, you know, yucking it up, talking, fishing – um, hanging out with guys that are like-minded that will support you. L- listen to, you know, hours of podcasts just to listen to you talking, fishing. Like, that. you appreciate those people. And, uh, you know, without that support, it wouldn't be nearly as fun. There you
6: go. Richie? Yeah, I'm the same as Eric. I'm not a big pro-staff sponsor person. Um, never holler, have been. Holler at KaiTech, man. You throw all that <laughs> I need <laughs> But, um, no, yep. <laughs> I'm with Kissler, but I'm on the Kistler team. I loved Kistler rods. So um, you know, they always coming out with new stuff. Make did they just come out with a new line, the Kissler Chromiums, which are pretty awesome um rods. They're like three point five ounces and and and, and that's kinda of about it. I just I just like to fish. Um I like to stay behind the scenes mostly as probably most of you guys already <laughs> most of you guys know and just I just like going, winning fishing tournaments, man. That's. <laughs> yes, but, <sir>. You know. <laughs> <Kitek> Contact
5: and, <laughs> and Bud Light. You yeah. got that sign in the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that what that is?
6: Yeah, it's yeah. a Bud Light sign. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to steal that. I like that a lot. I just like fishing. I like cashing checks. I, I like holding up trophies. At you know, I I, I like just it.
6: don't. I don't really don't have the social media presence as a lot of people do. I'd I, I like to. You know, get on, you know, um, give them recaps, stuff like that. Say, hey, this is kind of what I like to do. But yeah, I don't know. You know, I I probably could have been on a lot of different, have a lot of different sponsors. But just I just like to fish.
5: <laughs> it's working out for you, man. Keep it yeah. up. Oh, yeah.
7: And Dwayne, how about you? Catch. Well, catch, of course. We got some new things coming out besides bump boards. We're making yeah, some parts We're making some parts. Stuff. Yeah, ooh, no, it's ooh. not going to be further than that soon. But yeah, we're going to really have cool. some cool, cool stuff coming out. Z Pro Lithium, um, uh, tr- Eagle Claw Trail Car. Got quite a few others. I'm gonna miss them. So we'll just we'll just stop with the big three there. They know who <laughs> they are.
3: That's right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, we appreciate
5: we appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great rest of the season and and be safe and and hopefully we'll have y'all on again for too long.
6: Cool. Thanks for having us on, man. Thanks. Yeah, no
5: thanks for
3: thanks, us. guys. Thank you. All thanks. Right. All,
6: right. all right.
1: Got me and ready to go fishing.
3: We got a whopping two, two, so all right, two. Everybody, hang on. First up, we had the sixth annual Ike uh, Ike. What do they call it? The Ike Fine Ike Foundation Tournament. Bailey spanked everybody. Yes, he did. It was on Lake Nockamixon. There were ninety sure? anglers. No, I'm not sure, but we're <laughs> gonna go with it. I saw that name and I was like, "What is? How do you pronounce that?" Yeah. We're gonna go with Nockamixon. I'm probably I like butchered it. it. But uh, ninety anglers. It was a five fish tournament, like you said. Bailey Ike smacked everybody and caught ninety three inches. Second place was Andy, I'm sorry, Adam Coleman. He had 83 inches, so there's a, let alone a 10-inch gap, first to second. And third place was Mark Marini with 70 and a half. There were only 70 fish caught with 90 anglers in the tournament, and only first and second had limits. So, it was tough for most. Good job, Bailey. Hopefully, there were no egg sinkers involved. I I guarantee you there were none. No, Bailey is as stand-up as they get. Oh, yeah.
5: Uh, well, you'd have to like set them on top, try to squish out the fish. <laughs>
3: yeah, oh, everybody that's listening to this, I'm sure if you're in the fishing world, you know what we're talking about. It has been freaking everywhere all um, week. Uh, it's not even worth me talking about. So, but uh, the last tournament that went on was the Kayak Fishing Utah State Championship. It was a two day tournament with two different locations. Day one was on San Hollow State Park, day two is the top 50%. Uh, went to Quail Creek State Park, the bottom 50% stayed on Sand Hollow. 33 anglers, five fish limit uh, per day. First place, Wade Lish with 153 and three quarters. Second place, Chris Heap with 153 and a quarter. Third place, Mark McEwen with 152 and a half. And that is it. So we appreciate it. We, a little yeah. bit different show. I enjoyed it. I, I love tournaments, but it is very refreshing to talk about something else those guys were asking right before you got on, Dan, if, um, do, do we account any of our fishing success and our growth to like from the podcast directly? And I was like, absolutely well, for me,
0: yeah. like, I mean, we hey, get look, so
3: much juice on this. Yeah. Show. Look, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. y'all think we're doing this for your benefit to listen to this. No, we have people on the show so we can get, all the information we can from them
3: oh you best believe if we had it our way we would have another show or replace this show and we would just be reaching out to like anybody that was good at any particular thing that we wanted to learn like yeah like we had some people information overload (laughs) that's how i
5: found out about the okashira and then i caught a 10 pounder on it you know it's like all i i don't even know how many baits and everything else i've or techniques I've gotten from people on here because sometimes they really, really give up something like every, like, let's say once every three shows, there'll be like some super juice. I mean, like absolutely the nuts, some information. Like one time it was like a bait ball. If you see a bait, it's just one example. If you see a bait ball of fish, There's no fish around it. Keep moving. Because if if there were any fish around the bait ball, if they were active, at least, the bait ball wouldn't be so condensed. It wouldn't be so perfect on your graph. So if you see one like that, don't go fish that one. Move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, you want one that's broken up.
3: Since that show, I literally, I'll run across my graph and be like, nope, looks too good. Gonna keep rolling.
5: Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all these little things and I promise that you, if you listen to a show enough, you will get it.
3: An example would be of a recent one. I'm telling you, go back and listen to the one we did with the North Alabama kayak angler guys. Listen to some of the juice those guys dropped about the frog. I changed my setup after that show. Just tried the lighter line. Tried a little bit different cuts on the frogs and the heavy stuff, and I mean, he was one hundred percent spot on. That thin line cutting through that stuff as it came through, still hooking up the fit, the the bite, you know, just as strong, not breaking the line, you know, the cutting the legs like he he mentioned. I got that crazy walk out of him. Like I've always been able to make one walk, but like he was saying, I can make it almost cut backwards and just continue to stay in one spot. But yeah, no, we, we, we do this for our benefit, for sure. Yeah. We love, Sorry. we love y'all. and We appreciate all of our listeners. Yeah. We Thanks hope for listening from it too. But I mean, I suck at fishing and I'm here to get as much of it as I can. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Dude, uh, there's, I don't
3: even know how much information I've got. It's, it's crazy. I need so. to start like bookmarking the really good ones. That's not, in my head, I always think, well, I'll just go back and listen to it later. Yeah. You don't. You don't think about like there's more segments than just ours. So, you go a week, you're ten episodes back immediately. Like
5: <laughs> doing this for a few years now, I should have kept notes for every
3: man. I'm surprised you don't have a spreadsheet it. of it. I know. Well, I hear you. That can be I your should've. off-season thing. You can make a make a to listen list or like star notes to the best episodes. I'm I'm already working on a spreadsheet for
5: Bates for. To keep in my tackle box, <laughs> I really like. I've started on it, and I'm slowly working on it. I'm I'm pretty dull.
3: Finally, like I'm a uh, nerd. I feel like I finally started hitting that narrow down where it's like, like like now I throw like three colors, you know. Now I I don't. I mean, I'll I'll always try new baits, but it's not. It's not like I'm looking for replacements anymore. It's like I know what I have confidence in, Damn. so. <sighs> well that All was a good right. show and uh you know thanks everybody for staying with us this one went a little longer but it, it was a great show um i mean this everything that was talked about the day especially with the variety of uh, places we were talking about uh goes to to where you're fishing so um m- maybe not you canadian folks we should have had a canadian on i don't know if they ever get out of winter pattern though so it probably wouldn't have mattered. but uh yeah, well, uh, we'll be back next week. I didn't do my homework. I don't know if there's any big tournaments coming up because I couldn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, Oh yeah, Pickwick is next week. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll try to get those uh, guys on. Um, hopefully they can tell me what I don't know about Pickwick. So
5: two day tournament too.
3: So yeah, two days. Um, it's been rough, but the weather's finally holding out consistent. Um, but I know there's like a big shock with a lot of it. It cooled off so quick. So. It'll be interesting to see how it goes because I've been keeping up with the BFLs and stuff out there, and it's been tough. So I hope it's
5: good on everybody coming some, some, down here. You know, yeah,
3: some somebody's going to get on them, and I'm sure a few people will. I I think right now I think it's going to be a, a struggle. You yeah, know? but we'll I, see. I,
5: I think for at least half the field, it's it's yeah, going it's to be tough. Be rough. Yeah, I I hate that. I hate for people to come down TBA and and for it to suck, but man they're, they're just like a couple of weeks too early
3: yeah well i mean in like the tournament was i only think a week different from last year and last year when me and you fished it was like 100 degrees yeah yeah and like saturday the highs 68 like
5: <laughs> yeah, they only only they can only push it back so far because they're toc i mean it just is what it is but right a couple of weeks later and on Pickwick, and really be firing all, all cylinders, you know.
3: Well maybe everybody'll get a second chance because there might be a Bassmaster Alabama winter tournament on Pickwick very soon after this one. So somebody doing it. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll be there. Yeah. Haven't haven't announced it yet, but that's the plan. Cool. Uh I have until January thirty first. So I figure we'll oh. get her get her rolling.
5: Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and qualify for the classic.
3: There you go. I'll try it. <laughs> try. all right well we appreciate it everybody we're going to get out of here we'll see y'all next week with a little bit of tourney recap uh thanks again
2: peace later thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and finn be sure to drop a five-star rating a thumbs up or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on be sure to check us out on waypoint tv waypointtv.com Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddle Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com, catch us on YouTube. Brave anglers search for the one they
1: call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Through the Blackwater bayous
7: and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop
2: and the smells of Cajun cooking. For.